Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Good evening, Blue Jays fans. Welcome to another episode of Jaybird Watching. Hosting this week, Brendan Panikar, as you can probably tell by my voice. If you can't by now, then maybe you're new, in which case, welcome. But as always, my co-host, Craig Borden in Rochester, New York. How are you, sir? Doing wonderful, and I can only hope that we're getting some more off-season listens in our broadroom brawl here. I mean, chat. <laughs> it, it, it felt pretty steady, man. I think uh, I've been pretty impressed with the numbers that we've seen on our listens throughout the off-season. I think we're one of the few who have stayed consistent with weekly podcasts, aren't we? I think we are the only one. I mean, we have some good friends in some of the other Radio Scouts and other whatnot podcasts, but we're definitely holding on to this nice weekly consistency, Brendan, and I think with enough shenanigans and goof-around stuff to talk about over the off-season here, mixed in with obvious Blue Jays off-season news, I think we got enough here to hold down the fort. And you know what, man? There's been a ton of talking points on Twitter over the last little while. Obviously, there's already been one major move in, in adding Chase Anderson from the Milwaukee Brewers in trade for Chad Spanberger. We touched on that a lot last week uh, on last week's show. So I won't beat a dead horse there, but there's already been one major move this offseason. But now there's been a few little more minor things that are generating a lot of conversation, Craig. And one of those is the decisions the Blue Jays made today surrounding the 40-man roster. Because today, at around 8 p.m., I believe, is the official deadline for Major League Baseball teams to add players who are Rule 5 eligible to their 40-man roster to protect them from the Rule 5 draft in the upcoming winter meetings. The Blue Jays added Santiago Espinal and Thomas Hatch. Craig, are you surprised that they added either of those guys? And are you surprised at the follow-up moves, which was Tim Mazur being outrighted to Buffalo and Justin Schaefer being DFA'd? Honestly, I'm more shocked at the fact that they were thinking that highly of Thomas Hatch to put him on this roster. I know we've been hearing more and more and more about Thomas Hatch and how much spin he's got on the baseball and what he could be bringing to the Blue Jays, but this is very similar to the Patrick Murphy kind of role last year with the Yasni Diaz. You know you've got something cooking with Thomas Hatch. you got to hold on to him. Santiago Espinal, he's been insanely good, and I don't know how you couldn't afford to keep him on this team He's going to be probably playing in Buffalo most of this season, especially with the depth that's going on around the Toronto Blue Jays' middle of the infield. But Espinal has showed that he has something to be special about, possibly up the middle too. So you got to hold on to him. These are pieces that we probably would have lost during the Rule 5 draft, and those are too big of pieces to be losing. Now, I think that they would, I definitely think that they were a little bit more cautious this year compared to last year. And you know what, man? They had a lot of tough calls to make last year with some of the guys that they had to protect. Luckily, though, some of the bigger names didn't have to be protected this time around or else even more difficult roster decisions would have had to have been made. Craig, do you think, had they left Hatch or Espinal unprotected and available for teams, do you think both of them could have been gone? I think that it definitely one of them would have been gone, and I think it would have been at least Santiago Espinal. I think Hatch was probably closer to that 75% of a chance of 
getting taken kind of thing. And maybe even 50-50. But Santiago Espinal has shown plus glove and the fact that he has shown solid contact through his minor league um, Blue Jay years so far. And he's shown some surprise pop guy. You know, I, I'm surprised that he's got as many doubles and everything that he has, but it's been very impressive to watch him grow up in the New Hampshire Fisher Cats lineup last season and then break his way into Buffalo right at the end. Very interesting stuff, and honestly would be one of those wild cards come spring training on a team with lesser infield depth than the Toronto Blue Jays. It's interesting because definitely Santiago Espinal is somebody we've been high on in this podcast even going back to last year when we were ranking our top 30 Blue Jays prospects. And I think it shows you, Craig, how high this front office is on Espinal. Remember, they traded Steve Pierce to get him from the Boston Red Sox, and he's done nothing but hit, as you alluded to there, and his glove has been pretty impressive up the middle, too. So I definitely think one of them could have been claimed. Thomas Hatch, though, we continue to hear more and more about Thomas Hatch as the offseason goes along. I believe he added a cutter to his arsenal after he got here or right before the Cubs traded him to get David Phelps from the Toronto Blue Jays. So there was a chance that he'd be claimed too, because remember, last year the Rule 5 draft didn't hurt the Toronto Blue Jays because they did lose Travis Bergen and Jordan Romano, but both, both were returned to the Blue Jays organization by the San Francisco Giants and the Texas Rangers after they outrided them off of their roster. But Craig, are you a little surprised at the fact that it was Justin Schaefer who lost a roster spot here, or do you think maybe it's just, you know what, they have such a good collection of young arms that they could afford to take a flyer, and maybe Justin Schaefer will get through. I think he's the odd man out in this whole situation, but I got one last thing to say about Santiago Espinal. He probably made the minor league play of the year by stealing home for a walk-off victory. Just saying. <laughs> but, that earned him his roster spot. <laughs> I know, right? Or at least the buzz, anyway. He's a very talented player. But uh, back to the guys the Toronto Blue Jays lost. Tim Mesa, it's, as much as it sucks, because I was still is expecting Tim Mesa to become something special as a lefty out of the Blue Jays' bullpen. He's just such a big arm that you would think that he would have been something very special and I think he could have been that eventually but with this injury and having to have Tommy sur- Tommy John surgery it's just it, it's the only way the Blue Jays can possibly move and keep the guys that they need to keep in this organization it would not shock me if they still turn around and sign him to a minor league deal to keep him employed but in the flip of that Justin Schaefer very very impressive for his uh, 34 appearances with the Blue Jays and this guy's going to have a major league job somewhere. I can just only hope that this is a temporary move for the Blue Jays as far as filling bullpen depth, but it would not shock me that it's just, hey, we can truck any arm from our kids into the into the bullpen and hope to fill up some of these innings that Justin Schaefer ate up last year. It's going to be an interesting offseason when it comes to the construction of the 40-man roster because probably argue that there's some guys on there that maybe could be off the 40 man to make room for guys who you alluded to of those collection of arms down in the minor leagues we obviously have talked a lot about kirby sneed down in buffalo it's probably his turn to come up here when the season gets started but i think it just attributes so much to this front office in terms of this young collection of arms that they have collected craig and that's kind of where i'm going to shift the discussion because baseball america released their revised 30 top 30 prospects for the Toronto Blue Jays this season. When you look at it, you go through 1 through 10, and as I just had a quick math there, 
of them, maybe in seven, uh, are all pitchers. So they have assembled quite the collection of arm talent. And you go back just a few short seasons ago, the pitching cupboard was bare in this organization. How much of a testament of the job to Ross Atkins, to Ben Sherrington, who we've lost to the Pittsburgh Pirates, to Mark Shapiro, Tony LaCava, all the guys in the front office, how much credit do they get for this impressive collection of pitchers in the Blue Jays system? I think you got to give them credit for the whole kit and caboodle here as far as our young core of this team goes. <laughs> I think the uh, headline on the Blue Jays website right now by Mike Rosenbaum pretty much sums it up. No Blad, no Bo, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> Very the, fact, true. the fact that they have all this pitching talent after they have uh, you know amassed the offense knowing that this is coming to pipe what does this offseason bring it's kind of ridiculous to the point that you know you've got a couple of guys that are probably front end of the rotation coming especially in nate pearson eric pardino and probably just a little bit further down the line alex manoa but those Five guys, or four guys are just insane. And no, Anthony Kay is going to probably have a roster spot this year in the rotation. But it's very, very impressive. And the fact that, you know, Sean Reed Foley and TJ Zoik fall off of this top 100 is still saying something, I think, too. It's crazy. It is absolutely crazy. Yeah, you go through just to list it off for our listeners who don't know the top 10 and haven't gotten the chance to look. From 1 to 10, you have Nate Pearson. Jordan Groshans, Alex Manoa, Anthony Kay at four, Eric Cardino at five. Then you got Simeon Woods Richardson, who they got from the Mets with Kay. Morales Martinez, the young shortstop at seven. Gabriel Moreno, the catcher at number eight. At number nine, Miguel Geraldo. And number 10, Adam Kloffenstein. Craig, there's some young infield talent down there, too. And that's just going to continue to add to this collection of already incredible talented infielders, isn't it? Very, very a massive ridiculousness is what's going on in the Blue Jays minor league system. And this only er- it only infuriates me more when you hear about freaking our dumbass commissioner wanting to minimize the amount of teams in the minor league. Just kills oh, me. I don't understand it. Our boys down in Bluefield are not going to get to see you know the likes of Vladdy again or anything like that. Just b- boggles my mind. And what that does to these towns, I don't think... Everybody really, at least somebody, keyword, commish, <laughs> isn't really thinking about. And the fact that the Blue Jays have been able to amass this ridiculousness, because like I, I think we've talked about it multiple times on our show, Brendan, the fact that, you know, everybody quotes the Blue Jays' top 30, top 10 prospects, but there's really an insane amount of talent all the way down to what I would call the 50 top players in the Blue Jays' Meyer League system. And it's got a nice spread to it this is sustained growth even those top five guys that you were just alluding to there the fact that um woods richardson is the lower guy on the totem pole and he's just outside that (laughs) and alex manoa was drafted last season is number three that's insane it's crazy and you continue to go down the list a little bit more i'll name some of the pitchers that are on there our good friend kendall williams who we had in the show comes in at number 11 and then you continue to go down. Zoic dropped to 16. Patrick Murphy at 17. Yenzi Diaz at 23. Hector Perez at 22. And then a guy who truly emerged last year and put himself on the radar, Joey Murray Dr. at 28. <laughs> right? Dr. Spin is the exact nickname that he's going to be coined. Well done, sir. So 
the fact that some of those guys who we've heard about for the last few years, and even Yenzi Diaz, who had a cup of coffee at the major league level this season, are all the way down like 23 and 17 and 22 with Hector Perez. Man, it's exciting to be a Blue Jays fan. I mean, think of how much pitching talent is coming up here, isn't it? Very much so, which is what is just killing me about the whole offseason conversation. You know you have this coming. Freaking Barry, how, how much we got? Just keep diving more into it. You never Pitching is the one thing that every team wants. So if you have this coming, trade some of those pieces. Get that ace to anchor these kids and watch them just run through American League lineups. Wouldn't it be amazing to watch us go for five games on a road trip against in Boston and into New York and just mow through Yankees and Red Sox hitters? <laughs> oh, amazing. <laughs> It really is, man. And you know what? You actually kind of segued it perfectly, as you always do, my friend, in terms of just that. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's that collection of young talent that they have where you can go down into the 50s and probably even the 60s of guys who are intriguing and can someday make a play in the major league level. I want to, before we shift our discussion to the last part of the Blue Jays roster from 2019, which is the outfield for our outfield year in review. I want to make note, Craig, that coming in at number eight on this list is a catcher in Gabriel Mourinho. The Blue Jays have Danny Jansen and Reese McGuire, as we discussed last week, uh, on the Major League roster currently. And there's been some trade rumors uh, about Jansen and about Reese McGuire that teams are sniffing around uh, with these guys. They still do have Luke Maley as well, who could back up. Do you think that perhaps one of Reese McGuire or Danny Jansen could be on the way out to acquire that front-of-the-line starter that you just referred to? Yeah, it makes me wonder, because you hit the nail on the head with Mourinho. The kid is insanely talented. We've only heard our friend Joseph Goldberg-Strassler and Hayden Godfrey just gush about how this kid didn't Lansing this year. The fact that you have him, and then you have Alejandro Kirk right behind him, you have another dynamic of the Reese McGuire and the Danny Jansen situation all over again with those two. And they're about the same year away. You know, both in double A or both in single A, probably tipping on that double A high A this season with both of those guys. Brendan, it's a position of depth. I would hate to lose either McGuire or Danny Jansen, but at this point you could hold on to Luke Maley and sacrifice one of them for the greater good and get that next ace on a couple extra years of young rookie talent, you know, go get, go get the Rockies pitching, <laughs> go get St. Bring them to a real ballpark and <laughs> do something. But as much as I'd hate to see either of them go, I can see why the rumors are flying for the Blue Jays catchers. Definitely. And I think it just should get Blue Jays fans excited that I think they are exploring all opportunities. Last week, it was reported that they met with Yasmani Grandal at the general manager's meetings, which is quite fascinating and interesting. There's a lot of interesting Blue Jays-related rumors that are going around. one more tidbit on the catcher fun. Yeah. Ken Huckabee. Yes, that Ken Huckabee that ran over Derek Jeter (laughs) (laughs) Um, is now the Buffalo Bisons manager. And he's the guy that has been schooling as the roaming catching instructor to from Danny Jansen all the way down to Mourinho over the last few years. Very interesting to see him get that spot as the Blue Jays minor league manager. I don't think it's uh, too much of a coincidence because some of those some of those guys, especially those catchers who are coming up through the system, will be in Buffalo at some point soon, perhaps as soon as the 2020 season from I the get go. So 
I just think the thing that's hilarious about all that, Ken Huckabee couldn't hit, and all those guys can. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> maybe, he, maybe he's going to teach them defense or something. <laughs> as long as he's doing that, I am completely fine with that. Him and Kevin Cash were a great ensemble of defensive catchers in those couple of years. But, oh, my God, offense. <laughs> yeah, no. It was, uh, yeah, the offense for those two was uh, rather non-existent, but they could play defense. So exactly. the foundation of catchers, Craig, is rather impressive, and I'm sure those rumors will continue. We will table that discussion for another time as the offseason continues to roll along. And honestly, if there's not much news between this time uh, we recorded now and next week, we may have to revisit that and a lot of different rumors and discussions we'll over the, the next little while. Guess to hash exactly. out the catching. <laughs> the Thunderdome of guests is the correct way to put it. We'll come up, we will chat offseason, all the rumors as we continue to go along. But the one aspect of this team, Craig, as we go into our outfield year in review is the outfield which seems to be in a constant state of flux it is probably i would argue the one biggest hole outside of the rotation that this blue jays team has at this point because there's a lot of que- there's a lot of question marks i mean you have the main three guys that are in there right now on the depth chart listed in left field Lourdes Gurriel jr listed in center field Oscar hernandez and listed in right field randall britchick we will discuss all of those three in depth Craig, who do you want to touch on first? Uh, I can, is there enough good things I could say about Loris Gurriel Jr. all of a sudden getting a solid spot in this rotate or in this roster? Period. This is a guy that we were talking about, Brendan, that had no home coming into twenty eighteen or twenty nineteen. So to see him all of a sudden just go, bam, that's my job. I'm loving every damn minute of it. It would have been interesting to see what Loris Gurriel Jr.'s final numbers would have been had he not gotten hurt for the last part of the season because I'll run through a stat line a little quickly here. In 343 played appearances, 314 at-bats, he had 20 home runs, 50 RBI, a 277 batting average, a 327 OBP, a 541 slugging percentage, and an OPS of 869. And you look at his baseball savant page and every single offensive category when you go that little slider thing, I could post a picture of this on our account so people know what I'm talking about. Some of you will. All of them are in the red, and a lot of them are dark red, and that is a very good thing because that is the read between poor to average to great. Dark red is great, and a lot of those apply to Lourdes Gurriel Jr. Is he going to be the left fielder next year, Craig? Because there is a little bit of uncertainty, and there's a lot of outfielders on this team that could have jobs next year is it, is it locked down for Lewis Gurriel Jr. in left field for 2020 if he's on this roster which I in my opinion I think you're stupid if you actually do trade Lewis Gurriel Jr. because we're going to see the best of his offense in years to come not what we just got the preview in the sampling of in 2019 for the Toronto Blue Jays I honestly wouldn't have been shocked Brendan if he ran in through this season if he was fully healthy with 30-35 home runs that's how hard this kid was hitting the damn ball. <laughs> it was insane to watch him play baseball for a while. And the fact that I'm surprised that I'm looking at his numbers here, I could have sworn he hit more than 19 doubles. He just had yeah. legs for days <laughs> running. And I think with a full season of play, too, he'd probably steal you about 15 bases, too. But just I think there's more things to come, and now that you don't have him flip-flopping between positions and nonsense like that, yeah, it'll be good to give him some reps here and there at practice for shortstop and second base maybe, just so you have that extra roster spot to play with maybe. But 
I think the best of Loris Gurriel Jr.'s athleticism right now is used in left field, and I think they're stupid for screwing with it. Here's something when you go through his two seasons with the Blue Jays. In 563 at-bats, and that's pretty much a full season, maybe with a few days off sprinkled in there. In 563 at-bats, 31 home runs. He has 85 RBIs, uh, 27 doubles, a 279 average, 320 OBP, and an OPS of 819. That's pretty damn impressive in the kind of power numbers. You may be able to expect and project for Lourdes Gurriel Jr. over a full season. So, left field, do you say that that's lockdown? Is that for sure going to be Lourdes Gurriel Jr. in 2020? Or do you think they're going to move him? I don't. I, I think really, honestly, they're wondering what they can get for him right now. And why not dangle him? He's a very intriguing for, you know, good sample size that you were just saying there to major league player teams looking for that extra outfielder but as we talked about this is a position of weakness in the Toronto Blue Jays system right now period they're kind of got about all these same guys that are in that same level in the outfield and we don't know where we're going to get some of from some of them in the minor league level like Anthony Alford actually getting some playing time and see what you got so, how do you move Loris Gurriel Jr.? If I'm the only move I'm doing to him right now is maybe to take Teoscar's center field spot because <laughs> I really think he could handle the athleticism and taking center field. That's the only move I'm doing. He definitely came on defensively in left field, and that was encouraging to see. There are some pretty impressive plays out in left field, you know, where it's hit quite often. That little down the line there, when it kind of curves out the stands and just kind of takes awkward bounces and ricochets, Lourdes handled that quite, quite well for somebody who never really played the outfield full-time. So, you know what, Craig? I'm going to give him the lockdown left field is solved for 2020. Lourdes Carrillo Jr. will be there, and they will hold on to him. There you go. So, there's one. Now there's two other places up for grabs, and one of them is pretty, pretty much solidified for the most part and that is right field with Randall Grichik. Randall Grichik in 2019 in 586 at bats he had 31 home runs 80 RBIs he only had a 232 batting average and a 280 OBP which is pretty not the greatest get that up there get that OPP up there strikes out a ton but Randall Grichik had his contract extension last year he is under team control and he's relatively cheap for a guy who can give you 30 home runs he seems like a guy on a good Blue Jays team that gives you good defense out in the outfield, 30 home runs, some guy that you can plug around the 6th or 7th hole in the lineup. Is that an accurate assessment of Randall Gritchick? I'm happy with a guy that can pop me 30 home runs behind Vladdy, Bo, and Buggio. <laughs> I'm just letting him line <laughs> up at that point. The thing that I just, it boggles my mind. You have this conversation with a few other different names, and their war is not .3. <laughs> and very similar <laughs> stats as far as somewhere around the 240 batting average, going to hit you about 30 home runs, score 70, 80 home RBIs and runs each. It's just amazing to me that how bad that OBP and which, oddly enough, some of these defensive metrics don't help somebody like him on that category a lot more. I would think he's at least a one-win player, and maybe that's where he should be, but maybe we haven't seen the best of Randall Gritchick yet either. Cut down on a few of those swing and misses, Brendan. This is a different ball game. That's definitely what they're going to need Randall Gritchick to do because the power is undeniable, Craig. And he is actually pretty fast, too. If you go and look at his baseball savant page, 
an ounce above average and a sprint speed are both on the great side of things. The 76th percentile among all of Major League players when it comes to sprint speed. Hard hit percentage is right around the middle, same with exit velocity, but it ultimately comes down to being able to get on base more. It is in the 15th percentile, Randall Gritchick with his weighted on base average. That needs to improve in oh, order that's for what him to take 163 the strikeouts to only 35 walks does? That's how that exactly. math works out? That's insane. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, by the way, I was being slightly sarcastic there. I knew that was coming. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. For the new listeners. That's something, something that he's going to have to improve on for 2020. But I would say for the most part, when you look at Randall Gritchick, if he is a guy next year that you can stick in the seventh spot of an order or the sixth spot, depending on injuries throughout the course of the year, sure, he may get elevated to around five or four. But in the end, he's a guy who can come in there at the bottom of your order, kind of like what Michael Saunders was in 2016, where Saunders was around six or seven and was popping out some home runs. Not the greatest OBP for Michael Saunders in those seasons, but that's a guy that you kind of need, especially when he brings you that value defensively. Yeah, and the fact that he can, like we said, the consistent thing that Randall Gritchick has done, he's going to get you at least 25, 30 home runs in a full season worth of work. You can even look at the first couple seasons when he was with the Cardinals. If he actually played in the ballpark of 130 games, he was going to hit 30 home runs and get you around 30 doubles. That is impressive enough that if you've got a guy like him batting after some people that can get on base, that 80 RBIs number, man, could be a magic number right now for where he could be if you've got guys that can get on in front of him. Because he always seems to find a way to lock in when there's a couple runners on base. It really seems like this front office and this organization is trying to brand him as the new fan favorite. I don't know why. I just kind of get that sense that they are kind of building around Randall Gritchick. He's turning into that kind of clubhouse leader. And I honestly don't think that's a bad thing. I think he's a good dude. He can hit for power, as we've mentioned. And because of all that, Craig, is Randall Gritchick locked in for right field to open 2020 for you? Oh, I think his arm speaks one way or the other to keep him in right field. I can't put him in another outfield position. That arm disappears in center field, it seems like. He has a rocket from throwing from the right field corner, it seems like, and he can pick guys off at second base. The only, unless you were going to literally flip him in Lourdes Gurriel Jr., he, Gurriel's the only one with a better arm, I think, on the position players of the Blue Jays. So Moving on to the next guy on our list that we're going to be going in-depth on is Oscar Hernandez. And this guy, I still cannot figure out because there are stretches where he just looks like one of the worst hitters in the uh, entire entirety of Major League Baseball. Just looks like he can't hit a ball. He strikes out nearly as much as Randall Gritchick does, which is why his OBP isn't very impressive either at 306. At least it's above 300, <laughs> exactly. So you know what? You get that average up a little bit, and maybe you're looking at a guy around 320, maybe 315. Not the greatest, but what do you do with T. Oscar Hernandez, Craig? Because there are stretches where this guy looks like he can be the next middle-of-the-order bat for the Blue Jays. He had 26 home runs in 417 at-bats last season, and his OPS fell just shy of that magic 800 number that everybody loves to try to get to. So is T. Oscar your opening day center fielder next year? Do you think that they look at him as the primary DH, given the fact that they have other outfield options? And there was also the report, Craig, that they have potentially discussed some position flexibility of him working at first base. 
if he plays at first base, I think that that would be a great way to move his power to the next level. My biggest problem with with Teoscar right now is the fact that he has to focus his time on playing the damn outfield. (laughs) (laughs) I, I have seen it when he was down in Buffalo, when he's in the Toronto Blue Jays unit lineup, the fact that this guy can just flat out go on ridiculous tears of offense. There was times this season when he was on those, you know, that one ridiculously good week. I was seeing Edwin Carasion a little bit. You know, yeah. he just goes on that ridiculous tear and just goes ape shit on baseballs. And we saw it in a couple walk-offs, man, that were really very exciting for Blue Jays fans. And we were hoping that was the coming out party, right? The fact that right now we have more or less seen two regular seasons, I think, from what your basement level is for Teoscar Hernandez. Let him stop worrying about the defense thing. Put him at DH. Let him rotate in once or twice a week to give somebody else in the outfield a break at DH. But I just think this kid could go completely bonkers if you actually let him just focus on what I think makes him great, and that is his pop. It seems like a position change to potentially DH or first base could have a very Edwin Encarnacion effect with Teoscar Hernandez. Not having to worry about defense, as you mentioned, just focus on being that middle-of-the-order bat at first base or DH, and maybe he will take off because the power is undeniable, much like Randall Gritchick. At least Randall Gritchick can play defense. I think if Teoscar Hernandez focuses his game offensively a little bit more, the strikeouts might come down a little bit. I don't know if they'll ever fully go away because he is truly a swing and miss hitter, but at the same time, the power is undeniable. But when he does go on those stretches, Craig, he has shown that he can hit for a very good average in which case that brings a very good on-base percentage. And he has at times shown the ability to take his four balls to get on via the walk. It still just seems like the jury's out on Teoscar Hernandez. I'm not sure if I'm sold on him, Craig. Talk some sense into me because there's a lot to like. There's a lot not to like. I just, I, I don't know. What, what is your outlook on Teoscar Hernandez for 2020? To me, he's going to come into spring training just like every year he's been. He's, you quote-unquote have an outfield spot to Oscar. Keep working on this, keep working on that. And I really do not see that changing, right? But I think all of a sudden they're going to start seeing that when he doesn't play as much in the outfield because they just have that black hole right now at the DH spot. What the hell do you do with that spot? It's going to be the rotation spot because they're probably more than likely going to give Roddy Telez the first base position without any other competition at this point. So then you all of a sudden just literally have this rotation spot where you're going to be putting guys like Gritchick, Vladdy, and whoever. And I really think if that was all of a sudden Teoscar's home in this batting order, the fact that he doesn't have to do that like we were just talking to think about Oh, I gotta play left field this week. I gotta play center field. I gotta go whatever. <laughs> you know, the fact that he can just sit there and just crush balls off the tee, get ready for, you know, everything. It's similar to when all of, you know Edgar Martinez was a great DH, but he was an awful third baseman. Everybody forgets that, and he took that batting, even though he was a ridiculously good hitter to begin with, to that completely ridiculous Hall of Fame level. Once he just didn't have to worry about a position anymore. I think you could get more out of Teoscar Hernandez eventually becoming an everyday DH. Where that falls into this team's future after this season might be the question. It'll be interesting to see what ends up happening with Teoscar Hernandez because they already have thrown around the idea of first base. The one saving grace for Teoscar Hernandez, especially once he moved into center field and played the primary 
of the second half of the season there is the fact that his sprint speed is at the 94th percentile in all of Major League Baseball. He is in the great level of sprint speed, so he can cover ground better than Randall Grichuk in the outfield, which is crazy to say. But Teoscar is fast. Especially when nobody thinks of him as that. Exactly. People don't think of Teoscar Hernandez as somebody who's fast, but the numbers back it up. That may be the one saving grace for this team to not completely write him off as a full-time outfielder and shoehorn him in the first base in DH. But I do think that because, Craig, of this collection of other four outfielders that we will be talking about, maybe he does end up at first base slash DH. And that brings us to who I think is going to be everybody's favorite whipping boy in 2020. And that is Derek Fisher. Craig, the Blue Jays got Derek Fisher in that much-talked-about trade with the Houston Astros when the Blue Jays sent Aaron Sanchez, Joe Biagini, and Cal Stevenson to the Astros and only got Derek Fisher in return. What is it that this front office sees in Derek Fisher? Because I can see some of it, but there wasn't a whole lot of Derek Fisher kind of backing up what that front office may have seen in him because his numbers are pretty ugly once he got to the Blue Jays this season. So I'm going to shoehorn the joke I was alluding to before the show on this. They're hoping for Socrates Brito. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> oh, I'm, just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I just knew I had to make that joke before. it. So anyway, I, if you ignore the, the major league stuff, he has had solid minor league seasons, right? So this is a guy that is on that tipping point. He was a former first-round pick, and even before that, he was a sixth-round pick by the Texas Rangers. So everybody sees the tools that you can get from Derek Fisher. This is a guy that's got great speed, can play solid defense, especially in center field for, is where it seems like he's going to end up eventually shoehorning, especially as a Toronto Blue Jay. But the fact that he has not shown any ounce or tidbit of being able to translate that into a major league career and is dancing on that line at the age of 26 going into the 2020 campaign that he might not be more than a quadruple a baseball player brendan and i think that is what is dancing in the blue jays fans uh, minds that we traded those three guys for a guy that might not be anything more than a guy that's going to lead the buffalo bisons to a championship not the Toronto Blue Jays <laughs> <laughs> here's so. the one thing going for Derek Fisher that I didn't realize uh, before looking at his fan graphs and, and stat cast pages is he does unlike the previous two guys we talked about have the ability to take his walks in three major league seasons uh, from his cups of coffee with the Houston Astros and the Toronto Blue Jays that's 371 at bats despite a 191 batting average he still managed a 279 OBP. And when he got to the Blue Jays this season, in 93 at-bats, he walked 14 times. So while he does strike out, he does seem to have a bit of an eye at the plate and the power, like what we've talked about with the previous two guys as well, is undeniable with Derek Fisher. He does seem like a guy who has all of the tools to be the next breakout stud in the outfield and put it all together. And my guess, Craig, is that the Blue Jays are just hoping that now that he can come into spring training 2020 knowing, hey, take a job and run with it. We're, we're trying to make the Oscar a little bit more flexible so that you can blow the doors off of the competition and take center field for you. You will get everyday reps out there. Just settle in, work on your game, and break out. Because honestly, 
as our guest uh, Hayden Godfrey said back when they acquired Derek Fisher there are five tools in this guy's game speed power average defense and I'm forgetting the fifth tool hit <laughs> <laughs> for contact would be one of those two hit for power that's it <laughs> hit and hit for power <laughs> yes <laughs> so I agree that he has all those tools, and I can see why the Blue Jays were at least intrigued by the fact if I'm going to take a flyer on somebody, this would be a guy I would definitely be hedging my bet on. He has the profile of he's been a good minor league baseball player all the way up through AAA, and multiple years in AAA of being good. And the on-base percentage, like you would have mentioned too, was pretty consistent throughout his minor league tenure too, Brendan. It's not like he had these seasons where it was too tipped over. It's not like he was doubling up <laughs> his uh, strikeouts versus walks too crazily or anything. It wasn't Aaron Judging or Giancarlo Stanton. <laughs> so if you were going to take a flyer on somebody, you got the defense. Worst-case scenario, he's going to go out there. He's going to be a liability in center field. And you hope to catch fire with the bat and I think he's got enough lumber going on there that he's going to at least do better than his 216 projection that I'm seeing for the way too early baseball reference projection <laughs> oh dear <laughs> <laughs> and I the thing I think that's even more insulting about that is that what we had just nailed for his you know the fact that he is a patient hitter they have him tripling his strikeout rate versus walk rate in those projections Lovely. <laughs> I don't think it'll happen. I, I don't see it. It is never tipped over the double point of strikeouts to walks in his minor league, other than if you look at literally his first year in rookie ball, <laughs> which is only 35 strikeouts. <laughs> so I'm not going to take that one with a big heavy grain of salt. <laughs> no, please don't. <laughs> I, I'm I'm interested to see, and as far as everything goes, I think he's got every chance to succeed because the best thing he's got going for him, nobody's going to be paying the fuck attention to what Derek Fisher's doing in center field when you got the Bo Vlad and Bichio show going on. <laughs> there, there you go, there you go. I think he hit the nail on the head there. There's a lot to like, Craig, with Derek Fisher when it comes to just his overall profile as a baseball player. It hasn't translated at the big league level. I want to believe in Derek Fisher breaking out. I'm just not sure if it's going to happen. He just seems like a quad A guy. And unfortunately, I don't want to loop him into any kind of conversation with Socrates Brito. But there are, <laughs> uh, there are, man, there are a ton of similarities between this two because you've seen what they've done in the minor leagues. They have similar skill sets, but it just hasn't translated to the big league level yet because for a lot of the same issues. Socrates Brito struck out a shit ton when he was up here. He didn't make any contact. Derek Fisher didn't either, despite his seven home runs uh, when he was with the Blue Jays this season. So, yeah, I don't know, man. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with Derek Fisher. The front office invested a few resources into him. I mean, Aaron Sanchez and Joe Biagini aren't anything to sneeze at because they can still turn into very valuable pieces for the Houston Astros next season. And Cal Stevenson, who knows what ends up with him, being further down the minor league level, I know you love Cal Stevenson. <laughs> but it's mostly just because I literally saw him run through a wall to catch a baseball, and then the following inning he hit a triple. So I just yeah. didn't. I don't know how he was conscious <laughs> enough to hit the ball. Period. Let alone hit one of the solid as hits I've hit. I've seen at that Bluefield level in a long time. <laughs> and the, getting to witness that, I was dumbfounded because not only I know everybody loves home runs. But the most interesting game or a play in Major League Baseball is a triple. 
I don't care what anybody says. No doubt. No doubt. Hey, Teoscar Hernandez hit seven the season before this one. Even more interesting. So. Sign me up. <laughs> there, there you go. There you go. So, Craig, we've covered the four main guys that you can go through in the outfield. And probably, I would say, it's a pretty safe bet that the Blue Jays will come out of the 2020 spring training. Despite maybe taking no moves into account or free agent signings or trades into account, I would say that those four guys are pretty much locks to be the four outfielders going into 2020 again barring any moves but there are a collection of three other guys i want to briefly touch on before we start to wrap things up and we have here jonathan davis billy mckinney and anthony alford i want to save alford for last because he everybody wants to succeed so badly let's start with billy mckinney i think we're both in agreement on what billy mckinney is I think he's a bit of an afterthought at this point. It just doesn't seem like there's much of a home for Billy McKinney on the 2020 Blue Jays roster, given all the talent still coming up through the minor league system, the fact that you're going to have probably four outfielders ready to go. But who knows? There was some good with Billy McKinney, 12 home runs and only 251 at-bats. But I just don't think he's shown enough to be worthy of a roster spot to start 2020. What do you think? Other than a nice pinch hit at bat, I have not seen enough defense and enough overall accomplishment for me to even want him on this team. To me, he's a minor league player right now. And until he can prove to me that he's going to bat somewhere in the 250s (laughs) at the major league level and somehow sell me on that idea that if I give him at bats, that's my minimum right now, I don't know what I can do with him. Those 12 home runs don't only translate into 28 RBIs. Brenton is not quite enough. This is a guy that had let's see, 15, yeah almost 30 extra base hits. You would think with thirty, almost 30 extra base hits, I'd have more than 28 RBIs. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know what that last bit is for Billy McKinney. I love his swing. It just seems like he has too much swing and miss in that at bat. And for a guy that literally has the product of the John Olderud swing going on, I figured I'd be getting more. <laughs> but I just I, I don't have enough confidence in his defense to go with that bat to give him any kind of a shoe-in fourth outfielder spot even in this Toronto Blue Jays landscape. Now, somebody that you can trust in their defense is Jonathan Davis, another guy who might be on the fringes of a fourth outfield spot given the collection of the main four we talked about. Jonathan Davis was incredible in the outfield when he had his 95 plate appearances uh, and his appearances at the big league level. In the field, man, this guy can run for days. You know what? He has a little bit of a sneaky power in his game, doesn't he? Yeah, um, I've been having the pleasure of watching him in Buffalo for the last couple of years now, Brendan, and I've always wondered what Jonathan Davis is going to be for a major league team, and I wonder how much this is what we thought we were going to get from the Dalton Pompey situation as a base anyways. 2015 playoffs you have Dalton Pompey on the bench he steals all those bases and gets us within 90 freaking feet of a World Series <laughs> Jonathan Davis is that guy that could be a ridiculous defender and steal you some bases in a critical situation in a ball game and I really do think he's better at the plate than what he has shown in his tenure as the major league level throughout his 57 games in two years. I really think this is a guy that could bat 260 and be a Rajay Davis clone, and you would have no problem with that. 
<laughs> Not at all. Not at all. And they share the same last name. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? So I just was like, whoa, Davis, Davis, Davis. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be, uh, I, I bet Jonathan Davis probably ticketed for Buffalo to start the season. He'll probably still be on this roster, uh, or at least in the organization. But, man, he's, he's 27. I wonder how much of his situation pens on the DH spot. It could. It very well could. It very well so could. If you have Tay Oscar and the other guys we were talking about in the, you know, lineup every day, what happens if one of them gets hurt? You don't want to waste the DH spot by bringing somebody off the, you know, bringing Tay Oscar or whoever's in the DH spot into the outfield. You would want to have that extra guy on the bench, and that extra guy on the bench right now, to me is probably Jonathan Davis, assuming some other guys that we're going to talk about here, one other guy, depending on his role. Yeah. <laughs> now, that's a, that's a big key, and that's a big question, because Anthony offered this guy, everybody wants him to succeed. I do. I think it would be a mistake to give up on him, because he started his baseball career so late, Craig. His development is going to be a little bit more behind some of the other younger guys that are in the system. He's 25 years old. He will be coming into his, he was drafted in 2012, so he's coming into his, this what, that would be his eighth season in the organization uh, of the Toronto Blue Jays. And he did play football, as you mentioned, he's a two-sport athlete, but it still screams to me that this guy with all of his tools, his speed, his power, his ability to hit for contact, play good defense, all that, it still screams to me, I've said this so many times, it still screams to me that he will be a late bloomer, much like Lorenzo Cain. And if the Blue Jays let Anthony Offer go and he goes to another organization and absolutely blooms into a Lorenzo Cain type, then I will be very disappointed that they didn't hold on to him. But perhaps, Craig, given how little we saw of Anthony Offer in September after he got called up, his injury struggles and whatnot, I wonder, is a change of scenery the best option for Anthony Offer and the Blue Jays at this point? Isn't a change of scenery from Buffalo to Toronto still a change of scenery? <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> but I know you and I both are in love with his tools and what he could be for the Toronto Blue Jays. And I think it, they would be doing the organization a disservice by not giving him a shot in the major league level. And I really am wondering if he's going to be this year's Bo Bichette come the 2020 spring training. Just going to be undeniably amazing and he's just going to be right in your face and say time for you to put up or shut up I've done my work <laughs> I just feel like that walk off home run that we saw at the end of last season might have been the preview yeah that was one of the moments of the season for me I know when we went through and had our first uh, year in review show that that was one of the moments that we identified his walk off because everybody got behind him everybody was so so excited to see that happen with him but I don't know it's going to be interesting uh, I think we're all in agreement here that it would be a shame if he left and he went and blew and blossomed into the player we all think he could be elsewhere so there's a lot of question marks Craig surrounding the Toronto Blue Jays outfield heading into 2020 I think for the most part they have two spots solidified as we mentioned in left field with Lourdes Gurriel Jr. and in right field with Randall Gritchick center field is a bit of a question mark with T. Oscar and Derek Fisher, plus those three guys in Billy McKinney, Jonathan Davis, and Anthony Alford that we had mentioned. Ultimately, Craig, if you're the Blue Jays, who are your four outfielders that will break camp with this team, or perhaps get a little creative on me, will they carry five to the big league level to start the season? 
I think it's going to really depend on what happens with the uh, pending doom of Brandon Drury or not as far as who you carry. <laughs> for, uh, because in all reality, I would be completely fine with knowing if I'm going to be tipping Teoscar between first base and DH, not counting him in this conversation for 2020. Then if you do that, okay, that means probably, like we were saying, Guriel, Grichik, solid. But who plays center field in that situation? Derek Fisher is probably your front runner, quote unquote, at this point, just because the front office feels like they might have to showcase him after trading all those pieces. But maybe it's the better thing to just shove him to the side for the time being and let Anthony Alford come in and do what Anthony Alford probably can do and hope you get something out of it. But I really think that the two of those names that we were just alluding to, Fisher and Alford, are going to have to be the main competition come spring training 2020 in Dunedin. There's a lot of uncertainty, and there's not very many free agents out there either. So it's going to be fascinating to see what the Toronto Blue Jays do with their surplus of infield and pitching talent in the organization, their financial flexibility, and ultimately their entire roster flexibility for the most part too. So as news breaks on the outfield, if the picture becomes any clearer, we will be sure to have it all for you here on Jaybird Watching. Craig, is there any other topics that we have not touched on? Anything you just want to bring up in relation to the Blue Jays or the offseason that we have not discussed yet? How are there no actual real Toronto Blue Jays players on this year's Hall of Fame ballot? <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at the, this year's Hall of Fame ballot just in passing, right? And I'm looking at all these guys, and they're like, you have four former Toronto Blue Jays on the ballot, and the only one that I can really count as an actual Toronto Blue Jay is Roger Clemens, and I don't even want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I can lump Scott Rowland into it. I love Omar Vizquel, but Jeff Kent, what, had... 20 games as a Toronto Blue Jay in 91. <laughs> yeah. Those are your four Hall of Fame Blue Jay or players this year. <laughs> None that I would consider to be a Blue Jays Hall of Famer either. So this year out of all the years, last year was obviously Roy Halladay. We had Roberto Alomar a few years ago. Won't be so much celebration surrounding Cooperstown when it comes to the Toronto Blue Jays uh, next summer. Craig, any final thoughts before we wrap things up? Anything you want to promote? Anything you want to preview for next week? Anything you can think of before we say goodbye to our lovely listeners? I don't know. I was thinking about putting it out on Twitter to see it with a few random topics next week that we might be able to vote on and see who we can get in on shows. Otherwise, Brendan, I think we're probably going to start diving into our minor league stuff for the reviews. We have some guests have. that we might be able to get on from certain organizations that, you know, should entice our listeners and at least you know make it very very fun to listen absolutely craig well with that my good friend good luck to your buffalo bills on sunday i would call that a pretty much a must win game to get the eight wins because after that you got some tough ones coming up and the 49ers have to play the packers so it's going to be a fun sunday of football but we are a baseball podcast so let's end things with a let's go blue jays let's go blue jays Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.